Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TeacherCast podcast. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today, and thank you for making TeacherCast your home for professional development. Today, we're talking all about educators and administrators and today i have on our show today the author of a book called you're the principal now what strategies and solutions for new school leaders yes we're going to be talking to administrator jennifer schwanke about all the great things that she's doing these days and talk a little bit about her brand new book from ascd publications there's of course some great things that have been happening over on the teacher cast educational broadcasting network don't forget about our great series with microsoft education called the mie spotlight series 10 episodes featuring amazing Microsoft innovative educators. We are, of course, in the middle of celebrating Microsoft March. Last week, we had a great show with YouthSpark talking all about coding and how we can bridge the gender gap. And this week coming up on our program, we have Minecraft Education coming on, talking to you all about how you can bring coding and programming into your school. There's, of course, several great ways that you can reach out and be a part of this and all of our broadcasts on TeacherCast. You can, of course, find us on Twitter at TeacherCast. Leave us a voicemail over at TeacherCast.net slash voicemail. Email us at feedback at teachercast.net and we love it of course when you subscribe to us on audio and video over at teachercast.net slash audio and teachercast.net slash video and i have a question for everybody out there are you feeling like it's the middle of the year and you just need a break are you feeling like you need somewhere to turn to for professional help and advice i have just the guest for you she is an author she is an educator she is a fantastic person and i am so thrilled and proud to have ascd author miss jennifer schwanke on the show jen how are you today welcome to the program Thank you so much. I'm doing great, and I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for being here. Now, I want to start off and talk a little bit about what's going on with yourself. You are an administrator. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what you do during the day. Okay. I spend my days as the principal of an elementary school. We've got about 700 students in our school, uh, part of the Dublin City School District in Dublin, Ohio, a district of about 15,000, 16,000 students. And I've got some um, experience in my back pocket at the middle school level as a teacher and administrator as well. And, and what is it like these days to be a, an administrator? Is it an easy job with all the changes happening around you? Or is this just something that, uh, you, you know, we all need a little bit of help sometimes? You know, I love my job. And I say that with all truth, um, I love the work. The changes are challenging. And there's so much we don't know about what's going to happen next in education. But at the end of the day, I love it because I work in a place that's full of young people and young people give us hope. And so um, there's really lousy days and there are great days. There are exhausting days and um, uplifting days. But I would not change it for anything. You know, I, I, I want to pick up on something that you just said there. You said we don't know what's happening tomorrow. And I can't agree with you more. I mean, I think the only thing that we are certain about in education is something's going to be different and you have to react to it. It really just comes down to what happens when that thing happens and how do you react? And so today we're talking all about your brand new book with the help of ASCD Publishing. It's called You're the Principal, Now What? can be found, of course, on Amazon and over on ASCD Publishing. So I got to ask you the question here. When something happens and you're the place where the buck stops, what do you do? How do you prepare? You know, that's that's the hardest part about this job is the stop with the principal and the principal. 
things. And when you sign that contract and you agree to be that guy, you've got to realize that uh, when things go wrong, when things go right, they're going to look to you. And so how you prepare for that, I think, is when you're when you're teaching or when you're in a program to become certified as an administrator, you need to always be putting yourself in somebody else's shoes. And you need to think, okay, if I were the principal, how would I support that decision? If I couldn't support it, how would I intervene before there were problems? And then when everyone does, like I said, look at the principal seeking answers, seeking explanation, or seeking to place blame, you got to be the first one to stand up. And that's what a leader does. And so if you're the kind of person, I tell people all the time, you, it, not everyone is a principal, not everyone is a leader. It's okay. But if you, if you sign that contract, you're the one that has to take take the fall. You know, I've heard this story from many principals and I've heard the same story from a few superintendents. And it basically starts with, I didn't want to be in this position, but one day somebody came up and said, Hey, I think you'd make a good administrator. How did you get into the principal chair? We call that scenario you just described tapping a, a new leader. Like you find the ones where that skill is already there. It's inherent. My husband calls it the lead singer syndrome. He says, Jen, Taylor Swift would never allow anybody else to have that mic. Um, you know, a Garth Brooks never let somebody else. They will stand up there in front of the crowd whether or not that crowd is throwing tomatoes or cheering really loud because they want to own it. They think they're going to do the best at it. And I think that that's something that leaders feel inherently. They think I got to be the one in charge. And so if you're that type of person who's going to grab the mic, you'll make a good leader. I was certainly tapped. My principal, when I was a teacher, she came to me and she said, I um, actually told her, I said, I want to be a guidance counselor. She said, oh my God, no, you're a principal. You're a, a leader. And I said, you're crazy. And she said, just wait, you know, it'll come back. And um, she was right. I went to school and got an administrative degree and I've loved every single step of the journey. Is it fun? Love it. Is it difficult? Yes. Do you go home sometimes wondering what, what, what am I doing here? I do. I go home exhausted a lot. I go home um, not able to make decisions anymore. I've said to my family, I don't make decisions on Friday nights or Saturday mornings. I, I need a break. So I, uh, it certainly challenges me, challenges me. The thing is, you've never got it mastered. Because the minute you think, yeah, I'm pretty good at this, then a problem's going to come your way that you didn't foresee, that you had nothing to do with, but now you have to solve. So it's difficult, changes every single day. Uh, but that's the joy in it. What's the one decision that you make every day that you're tired of making? Can I? Okay. Anybody who's in elementary, indoor or outdoor recess. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. Our board policy says 25 degrees and below you're outside. Today it was 25. So it was cold and I had people complaining and I, oh my gosh. And if it's icy or raining, I hate it. What's the one? That seems small, but I tell you what, every day you make that decision, there's about 700 people that are either mad or happy with you. What's, hate, the, what's the one decision you make every day that you love making? I love making the decision to get up every day and go like to the lunchroom or to recess or to bus duty where I know I'm going to see a whole bunch of kids, a whole bunch of young people, like I said, who are just happy. Um, 
I do love the elementary level because of that. But I would even say when I was at the middle school, when I did a brief um, time teaching at the high school level, I love just going and immersing myself in kids. And that's a decision because some leaders decide to stay more in their office or stay less visible. My decision to be a visible principal is one that brings me um, a, a lot of satisfaction. So I, I want to pick up on what you just said here. Visible principle. You see, um, I, I'm a technology coach or tech integration specialist, however you want to d- describe the position there. And my philosophy when I work with administrators and when I work with teachers is basically, you know, I see my role as trying to give you more time. Whenever I work with the principal, you know, I try to take the technology away or make it easier because my philosophy is I want that principle to be in the hallways. If they're, you know, if if they're, if they're, you know, waist deep in 5,000 emails or 10,000 emails or trying to figure out how to make a slideshow for a, a board present, you know, they're not doing their job. And and, and in my opinion, you know, you're, you're a principal, you have one job, make kids awesome, right? Everything else is the, is the job, but you're having fun. You need to be that visible person. Right. And what I would throw back at you is my job is to make it so the teachers can do their job. Yes. I'm not hired to teach algebra, so I'm not going to go in there and do that. What I'm going to do is take every barrier that I can find for that algebra teacher or whatever teacher, take it out of the way so they can work on building relationships with kids so they can focus on their curriculum and so that they can support kids in their learning. If I do that, I've done my job. Can you define for us what an elementary principal is? An (laughs) element, I I could have some fun with that. An elementary level principal is one who's in charge of a learning environment with young people. Can you define what a middle school principal is? A middle school principal is a special soul who believes that the adolescent years are uh, a magical and vulnerable time where there better be a lot of good supports in place. Well, what kind of supports here? Because I know in many school districts, mine included, we have four elementaries, but we have one middle school. And it seems like you have, you know, we're the elementary principals and we're in our bubble. And, you know, maybe in my school district, it's the middle school, high school, and that's, that's a bubble. But, you know, even with that, I would assume that the high school guy is in a bubble of his own and the middle school is in a bubble of their own. I mean, do you feel like you're on an island or do you feel like you're supported with your other colleagues? I'm not asking that as a personal question, but, you know, generally as an administrator, are you the leader of an island or are you leading an island inside of a you know, on the planet, basically? That's a great question. I have never felt like an island. I heard before I went into this job that it's a very lonely job. And I find it the opposite. I find that I have lots of support within my district, with my colleagues, but also in my professional organizations. And even with teachers within my building, they're supportive. You know, they want me to succeed. They want to um, be on the same team with me. And so um, I, I have never felt lonely. Now, with that said, I do wish there was more of a natural communication and support in place between elementary, middle, and high. But I do think that at each level, you get so entrenched in what you're doing and the problems that are unique to your student population. It is hard to dig out of that and, you know, dip your toe into your other, the, the worlds of the other levels. You know, I, I, I kind of see what you're doing as, you know, many, many of my listeners know that for 15 years I was a music teacher. And, I, and we look at music as elementary, middle, high school, and we always say that the 
elementary music teacher has one job, and that's to make a thousand wonderful kids and push them up to the middle school, who then gets a chance to orchestrate this wonderful, you know, what will soon be a marching band, jazz band, pit orchestra, and then they bring them to the high school where essentially you put a feather on their hat and stick them out in the rain on a Friday night. Right. Your job as a elementary principal really is to take all of these wonderful kids and just don't do anything major so first, you can push no them. Right. Do, first rule, do no harm, right? Just get, get them up to the middle school. Well, you know, I think about that a lot. I think elementary students come in with such a love and a zest for learning in life. And over time, because of the way this life is, things get really hard and they get um, torn down a little and they get um, a little bit less enthusiastic and energetic. So I would say my job is to try and maintain that um, their their natural curiosity and joy for learning for as long as we can. Now, in terms of the middle and high school experience, I do want, I think it's important at the elementary level to expose children to different things they might see later. We talk a lot in my district about how we can transition from elementary to middle school so that we are building our musical programs, our, athletical, our athletic programs, our academic programs. The key is to find whatever it is that brings a child um, some a certain energy and joy. Um, I believe deeply, for example, in assemblies. We had a music assembly there, a youth orchestra came, and I literally watched the faces of the kids, and I could see which kids were really connecting with these these string instruments. Uh, we've had jump rope assemblies. We've had people come in and just show our kids different things because if they don't see them naturally at home, I think it's our job to expose them to whatever it is that's going to make their heart tick a little faster. I, I love that analogy. The, the issue sometimes comes up when you're a single uh, single person within, you know, you're the only one with your title in the building. Sometimes you might get lonely. Sometimes you might have to vent. Absolutely. When you're in a school district and, you know, I'm, I'm in the same position now as the tech coach. I'm the only one. And the last thing you want to do is go to your boss and say, I can't, I don't know, help me. But there are some times I find it's easier to go to my Twitter sphere and say, Hey, look, I need support. Where, what, what advice do you have? Have for administrators, whether they be new administrators or, you know, 20 year veterans who they might not be able to go to their other elementary principal or superintendent and go, I just don't know what to do at this point. Well, and, and you know, the social media world, the Twitter world is not appropriate for a principal because you don't want to air any kinds of concerns about your school and how it's running. Because if a parent gets a hold of that or another teacher or whatever, it's perceived as struggling equals weak equals not running well. So you have to be careful with that. I have found success. I'm lucky because I have a fabulous spouse who listens to me. But um, any kind of friend, a parent, a um a neighbor, whoever it is that just knows you and will give you the time you need to vent. Um, I, I think professional organizations are really important for principals because they can find those friendships, the safe places where they can say what it is they can't say within the walls of their own school building. A lot of times when you're feeling lonely and stressed and, and like you need to talk, you don't need a solution. You just need to say it and then you can move on. I think too, if, if principals can't, or if they're struggling to find that friend, just writing down, you know, literally going back to middle school, write, write it down in a journal, write down your thoughts and your worries and your fears. Usually when you wake up the next day, they're a little bit less dramatic 
and you kind of move. You can let go of what's holding you back. So are you suggesting that it's not important for an administrator to, uh, to, you know, for lack of another term, to be connected or to be a connected administrator out there? No, no, no. I'm saying the opposite. I'm saying being connected is very important. But I'm, I, I'm, I guess I was talking more about when you need to vent or when you just need to get something off your shoulders. You, um, you don't want to do it publicly. You want to have either a very, very trusted friend or you want to do it in such a way where you can process what you're struggling with without it affecting those that are really counting on you to be the strong one. Well, it's now March, right? Like we're in the middle of the third marking period. Many people are experiencing this wonderful educational sensation known as burnout. Yes. Do you have any tips and tricks to stay fresh or to avoid this or, you know, to kind of wake up every day and remember that, hey, I still have to be the guy to make a decision about outside recess? Yeah, you know, I work on positively positivity. Um, it's an active process for me. I do when I'm feeling down and depressed because everybody gets that way. I fe- I think you know what? I do make a really really nice uh, living doing this. I do love my job. I um, I I did this. I went out and got this certification and this education to qualify for me. I made that choice. So if I'm struggling, there's only one person to blame, and that's me. Um, I do a lot of reading about positivity, happiness, mindfulness. So I will find you know even little quotes that will just help me get through a, a tough day, week, month, whatever it is. Do you ever wake up in the morning and just go, "Oh my goodness, I'm the principal. Now what do I do?" <laughs> You know, I do still do that. It's been a while and I still do do that. I think, gosh, I still do have the key. Wow. So what, <laughs> what, what is the answer to the question that you have proposing? You're the principal. Now what? I wrote that this book because I realized there's really nothing out there for first year principals. There's, um, we rely on official mentor programs sometimes or unofficial mentor programs. And by that, I mean, it's just somebody that you know and can trust and can call. But there just wasn't a resource out there that addressed practical problems. And in the book, I, I literally titled the chapters based on problems that I had encountered at one point where I thought, well, God, now what? So I talk about, you know, the budget. I talk about instructional leadership. I, I go back to even meeting your staff and your parents in your community because every new principal has been handed the key to the place. And then they think, oh, God, now what? And that's what this book is meant to do. Let them just flip to whatever chapter they need to to answer that question. And is this something that you set out to write? Or as we said earlier, somebody found the leader in you and said, Jen, you should write this. I actually set out to write it. I had done some looking and thought, no, there really isn't that book out there. I was lucky to have a mentor who, who, you know, literally trained me on all of these things. And then she retired and I bungled my way through and kind of learned along the way. And then I just thought, you know what, that book's not out there. I better write it. And so I submitted a proposal to ASCD and they were wonderful to work with. And we, um, you know, kind of um, went through all the steps of publishing and then it, it's done. It's my baby and it's out there in the world. You know, you, you keep mentioning mentoring and, and this is something that even in my position I'm seeking, you know, I do have this position where I am, 
I'm going to use the word in charge of, but responsible for might be easier. Responsible for professional development for 450 staff members. That's teachers, administrators, you know, administrative assistants. I'm responsible for their professional learning. It's a it's an amazing responsibility that says if they're not picking up the skills, then their students are then not picking up the skills. I would imagine something similar goes through the mind of every administrator when they first, as you said, get those keys. Right. Yeah, the the responsibility is enormous. And I think luckily there's a lot of um, ignorance in those first few years where you don't really have the time to sit down and make a list of all the things you're in charge of. And that's probably a blessing. It's kind of like when you have children, you have no idea what you're really getting into until you're holding them in your arms. But, you know, everything from the actual facility that you're in charge of to safety, to hiring and evaluating teachers, discipline, parents, building relationships with your community, building relationships with, with your uh, superiors. It's, you know, it's mind boggling. And if you stopped to really think about it, you'd probably run into the woods screaming in terror. Uh, But I think, you know, to our earlier point, I think when you're an inherent leader, you're not scared of that. You know, with you, with your PD, you probably think, oh, wow, that's a big responsibility. And then it's completely superseded with a thought of, I got this, I can do this. And that's kind of what lifts and sustains principles up, I think. I think the hardest thing that I constantly remind myself of, and, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this, is, you know, we're all confident people. Right. right. Uh, by, by nature, a leader is, is maybe skeptical a little bit, but you still have the confidence. But you realize you can do this job if you really put your heart and soul into it. But it's all about the relationships. I mean, you could yeah. you can be an awesome principal, move to another school and completely bomb because relationships don't don't quite work out. Well, exactly. You know, there's there's I think education and school leadership has changed in the last few decades. And I think, um, you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, a principal would have said, I should not be liked. I should be the one that is feared and I'm successful if people don't like me. And I would say the opposite now. I would say it's really important that people like me, that they think I'm a good person and that they feel that I'm there to support them and we're a team. If you can't build relationships with people and have them trust you and have them um, believe that you are. Talking about building relationships is kind of a, a, it's a, it's commonly talked about right now. And that's because it's true. Cliches and stereotypes are true. And that's one where it, it could not be more true. If you can build relationships with your people. And by that, I mean, every, uh, the students from age five to 18, uh, the, their parents and the staff that you're working with, you will be all right if you can build relationships. So let's talk a little bit about your first year as a principal. Think back, think back way back when to when you first was a principal. Do you have any, uh, do you have any stories? I don't want to ask for an embarrassing story or a funny story, but, but what's the one story that maybe you could uh, quickly wrap up in a, in a minute or two and tell us that maybe could give a lesson to somebody listening to this? Wow. I wouldn't even know where to start with that. Um, I, okay. A story from my first year. There were so many. (laughs) I 
tried so hard. I worked so hard that first year, the first several years, I would think. And I um, thought I had to be everything to everybody. I thought I had to say yes to everything. I was like a little mouse scurrying around trying to please my principal and trying to make staff happy. And that um, I'll, I'll never forget that first spring break. Um, I planned to work all break, of course, and I got deathly ill, sicker than I've ever been in my life. Um, I don't think I moved a muscle for three days and I'm not the kind of person, I think I've called off sick five times in my whole career. So it, it shocked me physically and mentally that this was happening. And only several years later did I realize what had happened. And I had literally made myself sick by trying to be too much. I was seeking perfection in a job where perfection is not a possibility. I beat myself up for every stupid decision I made, and there were many. Um, I didn't yet know how to accept my failures, so I couldn't say, oh my gosh, I'm sorry, I blew that one, let me, you know, I'll do better next time. So I was carrying the weight of, of a world on my shoulders that I shouldn't have done. So that's more of a lesson than a story, but it's just, you know, you first must take care of yourself. You must use your air mask first, because when you don't, you will make yourself sick. Wow. I, I think you just nailed on the head my last uh, year and a half of being a being a first time technology instructor here. This is yes. yep. I, I I you absolutely just nailed it on the top of your head of uh, trying to please everybody and getting upset when you can't. And yeah, that pretty much describes I think a lot of first years for everybody because you never know, and all you want to do in so many words is just be liked. Well, and you know, in leader, any kind of leadership, I think that first year is really hard because you've been lifted up by people who support you and like you and say, you'll be great at this. You've got this. And then you get in the job and you realize some people are just going to be really nasty no matter what. I always tell um, aspiring administrators, I teach a graduate class for people who want to be principals. And I say, you need to get used to the 25-50-25 rule. 25% of the people are going to think you're great, no matter what you do. 50 or meh, whatever. You know, they'll like you sometimes. They won't like you others. 25% aren't going to like you. No matter what you wear, say, do, act, complete, they're not going to like you. And so new leaders sometimes struggle with that. They don't understand why they've still got people dissenting. And I think it's just human nature. And you've got to just make peace with that. We're talking today to author, blogger, mother, principal, Jennifer Schwanke, uh, author of the book, You're the Principal, Now What? Strategies and Solutions for New School Leaders. And um, Jennifer, I got to start by asking you here, how long have you been an administrator again? This is my 11th year. And so it's been 11 years since the surgery. Is that the right way of looking at it? <laughs> yes. Apparently so. The surgery I didn't know I was getting. Now, I understand that when you were going back to that 2550, 25, which of those pieces of the pie truly believe that the surgery did exist and that you did go all the way through and have the frontal lobotomy? Are you going to tell them what you're referring to or are we just going to make your listeners guess? I think we should tell the listeners that they can find all the information out by following you on Twitter at Jen Schwanke. That's J-E-N-S-C-H-W-A-N-K-E or by following your blog, jenschwanke.com. But Jen, tell them, you tell them a little bit about what I'm referring to here. So when I first 
got a job as an administrator, I was young and I was excited and I was eager and I felt secretly kind of proud of myself. And I went out to dinner with some friends and they were older than I and, you know, a little cynical and a little jaded and um, not necessarily fans of principles for whatever reason. And over dinner, you know, a couple of them had a little few glasses of wine and then they kind of started on this teasing. And, you know, as you know, we tease people and call it a joke when we're really serious. And they said, you, you know, have you, have you completed your lobotomy yet? You know, you're going to lose half your brain now that you're a principal. And then they went on and on, you know, now that you're a suit, you won't talk to us and you're going to change now that you got the keys. And I was stunned. I was taken aback because I thought, wait a minute, I'm not, I I think they're making fun of me. I think that they're abandoning me. I think they're pushing me into a, a box that I'm not sure that I fit in. And that was a lot to process. And it happened so quickly from people I didn't think it, it would come from. And then, you know, as you reflect over years, you know, I realized, yes, they were right. I did. I was now did have a different job and I was being paid to consider perspectives other than the, uh, the circle of friends of teachers that I'd worked with for years. And, you know, with no disrespect to them, my, my perspective just widened so much as an administrator because I had to think about other people's point of view. I had to be the bad guy sometimes. And um, I had to stand by that and, and be proud of the person that I was and the professional I was turning into. But it was hard. And it was, um, I, I think the thing is, it was just so surprising. I thought I could be everything. I thought I could still be teacher girl and principal girl and um, you know, at some point you kind of have to just put on the, the new robe and go with it. So this is also weird because you just described every moment that I had to describe to somebody <laughs> the fact that I was having kids, let alone triplets. Oh, and they yes. said, oh, you're going to change now. You did this. And I'm like, no, no, no. I'll still be able to go out. No, no, you can't. Absolutely. I won't make separate meals for my kids. No, not me. Meanwhile, mac and cheese every night at the Schwanky House. Meanwhile, the other day I'm walking through the mall in North Jersey with a potty in a backpack behind me. You become that guy. You're uh, like, I'm proud of my potty. Right. <laughs> right. Only only you know that you're carrying two of them around the mall. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's, you know, look, it's really... <sighs> You know, I hope anybody out there that's listening is getting something out of this show. And maybe they're sitting back like I am right now going, yes, that's me. I'm right there. I know that feeling. I'm not alone. I have, you know, I, I've, I've been on the on the fence a little bit. And, and, and I'm looking for a great place to, to, to kind of talk me off some of the edges here. The book is called You're the Principal, Now What? Strategies and Solutions for New School Leaders. Let's talk a little bit about the writing process. Now, I, I kind of went through your blog. You do a fantastic job over at jenschwanke.com. Uh, you know, you're not writing the five ways to be a principal. You're really digging into some great topics. Was, was writing the book similar to writing a blog post? You know, I'm going to take it back to this. I love this writing. Uh, I have written before where every word is an effort. Every word is a slog. But with this book and also with my blog, I'm so passionate about the topic and I so badly want to share my experiences through stories that the words do seem to fly. I love, you know, with the blog, I will just sometimes have an experience or a memory, something that I learned along the way. And I think, oh, that would, that would help somebody who was thinking about leadership. And the same happened with the book. I was just so passionate about it. I've told people before, you know, don't write a book just to write a book. 
find what your story is and tell that. And I'm not talking fiction necessarily, although that's certainly a valid way to, to become a writer. But what's, what do you have to say to the world? What is the universe waiting to hear from you? And then say that. And, and what does that mean? Because I'll, I'll break the fourth wall here and say I've been told that before with a, a few different ideas that I have. Go tell your story. Go tell your story. And then you start telling your story and you realize you're just not that interesting. Well, then that's not your story because everybody's interesting and everybody has um, something that whether they tell it on a bar stool and it just makes people chuckle or they're they're the guy that tells the stories on Thanksgiving dinner that that make grandma and aunt and uncle just delighted, you know, or or it's something that you have learned that has stayed with you and you feel like it could help others. Um, I, I think there have been times I, I probably start three blog posts a week. Only one of them, at best, makes it on the blog. Because some of them, I'm like, no, this isn't this isn't even going anywhere. And so I delete it. And I used to angst about the time and energy I wasted when I wrote something and it didn't speak to me or, or, or I knew it wouldn't speak to an audience. Now I'm just like, okay, that's not what I need to say right now. And I delete it and I move on. So if your um, thoughts and your words are flying, you know, I would imagine that that was true for you with that wonderful post about leading the orchestra. And, you know, I would imagine that as you wrote, you, it just kept feeding into itself and fed into your energy and, and it, it reflected in your words and the way they, your voice came out. You know, they, they talk a lot about voice in writing and when you're passionate and you're really saying what you want to say to your audience, that's where voice comes. You know, it, it just emerges. How much of this book was, for lack of a term, first draft? And how much um, did you put in and they, they, they sent back to you? What, what was the editing process like? Well, I was so lucky. I had two great editors. I had the, the first editor that worked with me on content. We um, She was fabulous because I think, if anything, I looked at it with too narrow of a scope. And she kept saying to me, no, 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 let's spread this out. Let's spread this out. Let's add more um, scenarios. Let's add more conversations that you might have with someone. And then I had the uh, the editor, more of copywriting editing, editing. And I think a lot of the work went in the first editor, but luckily the second editing was easier, probably because I... I'm really, really passionate about grammar and mechanics because I was an English teacher, so you got to give me that. So I turned in my best product the first time. And so that second round of copy editing was was quite light. Now, looking through your blog here, again, you're at uh, jenschwanke.com, J-E-N-S-C-H-W-A-N-K-E.com. I'm looking for the post that's called, You Have a Book Contract, Now What? <laughs> Tell us a little bit about that wonderful moment that you signed and then you said, oh, this is real. And how much of the book did you have at that point? It's hilarious that you said that because there really was a moment where I was like, okay, I have the book contract. Now what? Oh my God, I have to write this thing. So there was that moment. There was a lot of um, of, of joy, but it was very inner joy because I still wasn't sure enough that it was actually going to happen. I think I only told my husband and my and my parents for a while. I didn't even talk about it because I had to be sure that it was really happening. When I got the contract, I had, I had submitted a table of contents in two or three sample chapters. And then, um, I, I remember the day the editor said, okay, go forth, write it. And you know, the way I am, it's just my personality. I just dug in. And so it was about, it was several months of just knee deep in the 
quicksand of writing it. And, you know, it's, I almost don't even remember that seriously writing. I, I, I highly recommend anybody check this book out here. One more time, the, co- the, the topic is You're the Principal, Now What? Uh, question for you here. Is there going to be a book called You're the Superintendent, Now What? Well, I'll give you the same answer I will give I gave you or I gave people when they asked me if I'd ever be a principal. No, I'm not going to be a superintendent. Are you kidding me? Not yet. <laughs> I can't imagine that job. Oh, as we turn the corner here and we're moving towards the fourth marking period, what, what what are you looking forward to? I mean, are you the type of administrator that says, I can't wait for the summer because we're going to start fresh and I have all these ideas for next year? Or are you looking at it going, man, I got 13 more weeks to go. I'm going to miss these people. Or is it that combination of both? It's somewhere in between. In between. I love this kind of time of year because we have all of our routines established. Um, classroom communities are going well. Um we're just, it's kind of like you're on the train track and you are at full speed and the weather's good. And, you know, we're just trucking along. I also really like the transition time when kids start looking at themselves as different as the next grade up. So fifth graders are now thinking, Hey, I'm a sixth grader. So there's kind of a swag that comes into kids as they walk down the hall. Um, I do enjoy that, that, the idea of summer just because not for any time off, but just because it's a good reboot. It's a good uh, way to stop, reflect on the year, take a deep breath, take care of ourselves and our families a little bit better. And then, you know, the next school year opens and there's just that feeling in the air where the notebooks smell fresh and the smiles are wide and everybody's got a nice tan from the pool. And so it's, you know, they they talk about the cycle of life, but there's also the cycle of school. And this is uh, a a really fun time in that cycle. So I don't know if you're aware of this tomorrow, but in Dublin, Ohio, it's going to be 28 degrees, but snow showers. Are you going after recess? Snow is tricky, my friend, because some (laughs) come in flip flops and shorts and if I call outdoor recess because it's 28, I have to weigh how many phone calls I'm going to get from angry parents because their child's cold. It's a hard one. I'm telling you, Jeffrey, it's a hard one. <laughs> I had to ask because I'm sitting here doing a little <laughs> Google searching around around Ohio. Jen, I want to say, first of all, thank you so much. I mean, the, the book is fantastic. I can't wait to get all the way through it. Um, you know, obviously a big thanks to ASCD for connecting us. We actually met on an ASCD book chat um, yep. because I am a uh, ASCD emerging leader. And they always put out, you know, hey, we've got this great author. Would you like to join a book chat? And I always say yes because you never know who you're going to meet and you never know what, you know, what you're going to find around the corner. So I'm always up for, for, for doing book chats and meeting people, but I do have to ask if you're up for the challenge, we have something special here on the teacher cast educational broadcasting network. I like to call it the Jersey five, five questions that really make you think about things. Would you be up for the challenge? And remember this is recording. Yes, I'm clapping. Yes, I would. I am. All right. This is the administrator's version here of the Jersey Five. Uh, they, they do get harder as they go here. But remember, you have no lifelines. Okay. The first I, question is a two-parter. A friend, right? What was that? You call a friend. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, your first question here. What is your favorite Twitter uh, account to follow and or hashtag and why? Teacher cast. Right? Well, well thank you. But you're welcome. But, you're welcome. But, but really. Oh. Oh gosh. Um ah, 
I, am I, I, I can't do this. I don't know. I love them all. Um, I don't know. You're a principal. Make a decision. Um, my own school's Twitter account. There. Bam. There. Plug it. What is it? Okay. At I-R-E-S-D-C-S-D. Nice. Uh, number two, what is your favorite educational tool slash app slash thing for the classroom? Oh, these are really hard. These is this the, all purpose? These are, the easy, the, these are the easy ones. Come on. My favorite educational tool or app. Um, uh, Pebble Go. Pebble Go. Pebble Go. Yes. I've never heard of that. What is that? Just online literacy resource for kids. Ooh, or Wonder Wonderopolis. I love that. Wonderopolis is fabulous. Wonderopolis. I'll have to look at those up too. I have a. I'm, I'm working with my my elementary teachers next week. Okay. All right. So they're gonna get harder from here. All right. So just you know, here we go. What is the best advice you've ever been given as an administrator? Work hard and be nice. I had a teacher say that to me as I transitioned to the administrative role and it was spot on work hard, be nice. Uh, number four here. What do you hope your students slash teacher I'll say for you, but what do you hope your teachers remember about you at the end of the school year? That I worked hard and that I was nice. Honestly, <laughs> I want them to see me modeling a hard work, a work ethic. Uh, and I want them to know I am kind because I really want, I, I want the best for them. And I want to help them have the best. And the last and final question here is, what is the best teachable moment you've ever had? When I said to my principal, I want to be a counselor. And she said very kindly, oh, no, you'll be a leader someday. And um, I think her, she knew me. She very gently and without any kind of conflict said, oh, no, 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 no. And what I learned from that was, A, it's important to listen when people who you like and respect give you guidance and B when as leaders, we need to tap other leaders and it's the best gift you can give to someone to kind of tell them, Hey, you are a lead singer. Here's the mic, take it and go with it. Does that have to do anything with uh, tight pants and, and, and makeup and, and, and no, no, not at all. Sorry. <laughs> so, so, suddenly I'm picturing every administrator looking like D Snyder from twisted sister here. Oh, you went to Twisted Sister. Yeah. Where, where were you going? I was still with Taylor Swift. <laughs> uh, Jen, I want to say thank you so much for coming on and taking the time with us today. I, 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 I think it's important here that you have the last word. If there's any parting advice that you can additionally bring on to anybody out there who's listening, because you know maybe you do have somebody who wants to be an administrator or is a first-year administrator out there listening to this show or maybe really loves your book, You're the Principal, Now What? Strategies and Solutions for New School Leaders, available from ASCD. I'll give you the last word here. My last word would be balance. We didn't talk a lot about that, but you have, this is such a marathon job. You cannot um, go into it and burn yourself out in the first year, two, three, five, ten years. You have to take care of yourself, surround yourself with people that love you, that you love, that fill you up, um, be healthy, uh, you know, sleep eat right, travel, um, make sure that you don't become so immersed in your job that you lose who you are. I couldn't say it better. I think that's <laughs> awesome. Jen, thank you so much. Uh, I'll let you uh, one more time. Where can we find you? What's your website? What's your Twitter here? 
I'm at jenschwonky.com for my blog. And I try and put up a post weekly about school leadership. And you can follow me on Twitter at jenschwonky. And thank you so much for spending time today and making TeacherCast your home for professional development. On behalf of everybody here on the TeacherCast Educational Broadcasting Network, my name is Jeff Bradbury, reminding you to keep up the great work in your classroom and continue sharing your passions with your students.